Good, well, good morning. Um, it's, uh, I suppose, a bittersweet moment. I've uh, given much thought into what I'm going to say this morning, and Mel, it's okay. And uh, where's Mel? There you are. And um, I just want to, um, yeah, bittersweet, happy, sad, uh, life moves on, and uh, and one day we'll all be together. <laughs> And we're not going that far. Maybe, maybe I'll get a, an invite to come and preach. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, f- I first just want to thank, uh, thank a couple of people. Eh? Obviously, you and Colleen, thanks for coming. Thanks for being there. Um, and then I've got a whole fan club from my office. Eh? So thank you guys for coming. Uh, there's you know, Craig, Eve, Richard, uh, Morion, and Morion's husband, Christo. Thank you so much. Um, it's been 21 years that we've been at the Lighthouse, and I'm not going to get this opportunity again to honor my wife. Yes. It's the only time I'm going to get. And she doesn't know this, but I want to honor her. Wow. When you're called, you are both called. It's not one or the other. You are both called. And if there's one thing that Lee has understood, she's called. And she's never, never, ever questioned that call. To the, to the point where she's even put the call above her kids. Because she knows that she can trust God with her kids. And she, she ran and oversaw the Sunday school, I think, probably 19 years. She started Moms and Tots, I think ran that for 12 years. She started a late Friday afternoon faith factory. She started a Wednesday morning ladies group that went for 15 years plus. She even delivered a baby at the church house that's called after her. <laughs> Worked in the office with Hill for a number of years. And we did numerous trips into Africa, into Italy, into Ireland, into Canada. And she never, ever said no. I remember going up to Zim and we, 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 we went up to an area called Charetzi and we probably went up there once a month. We left for the early hours of Friday morning, drove up a 12-hour drive through Bait Bridge. If any of you have ever experienced Bait Bridge, don't fly into Zimbabwe, please. <laughs> went to Charetzi, ministered that night, ministered Saturday morning, Preached Sunday, climbed in our car again and drove all the way back to Joburg, got home at 11, 12 o'clock and then started work on Monday. She never, ever said why. Because she knew that it was for the kingdom. It's so great to have all three of our children here, Carl and Jess and Jared. Jess from a three-month holiday. What a life as a teacher from Kuwait. (laughs) But they have lived in the benefit and the privilege of what Lee and myself have been called to. It's been a privilege. Samoafi, well done. If I am going to get emotional, it's here. You have got an incredible big reward waiting. And you've been an incredible wife, partner, and mom. And wife, and I just want to honor you this morning. 
just Bruce and Myra and the eldership team. Bruce and Myra, thank you. It's been 21 years of great joy, great sadness. We've had our moments, but we've also, we've built the church, we've built the kingdom to what God's called us to and, uh, and just living in the benefit of what God's done. I just want to thank Mark and Marie and the other elders, Vanna and Vicky, Morris and Sylvia, Tabani and Faith, Ralph and Barbara, and then Mike and Anne. It's just been great serving with you and then just the new guys that are on the team as well. Eh? Fight the fight. Be on your hands and knees for the sake of what God's called you to. Eh? And then these other uh, two people that I do have to mention, eh? and they planted with us, and they're the only two that are left, is Ian and Mel. Well done. You've outlasted us. <laughs> so well done. And I could mention a whole lot of other people, but I'll probably offend you all and then... <laughs> Hill, thank you for all the, the background and uh, always there and uh, always asking for something to get done. It was done. Thank you for that. And uh, so let me want to... This is one I want to share on. Vision, purpose and call. Vision purpose and call. You have to understand this, eh? when you become a born-again Christian, when you give your life to Jesus, there's a call on your life, even though you don't know it. And as you, as you get connected into a local church, eh, that call and that purpose gets worked out, even though you don't know it. Because what happens is, as you get involved in a local church, what happens is God gets hold of your heart. And change takes place, and through that change, God gives you purpose, and God gives you vision. That's why I love the local church. Everything that God does is through the local church. He's instituted it, and he loves the local church. So I had this prophetic word about, I don't know, I think it was the beginning of last year or about two years ago, but it's, it's this prophetic word that has um, meant quite a lot to me, and I think when I share it as well, a lot of you will know that I have shared on it, but it's, it's something that all of us have battled with, and every church has battled with this, eh? but it's that prophetic word out of Ezekiel 12, verse 21 and 28. And Ezekiel says this, again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, you heard that proverb quoted in Israel. Time passes and prophecies come to nothing. Tell the people what this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will put an end to this proverb and you will soon stop quoting it. Now give them the new proverb to replace the old one. The time has come for every prophecy to be fulfilled. Who struggled with that? Who's had prophetic words over their lives, over their marriages, over their children? And they've actually wondered, well, what's happened? Why haven't these prophetic words come to pass? I have queried and I have asked God often over that issue. Father God, this is what you've said, but nothing's happened. Eldership teams have, 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 have taken that before the Lord and said, Father God, this is what you've said over this church, but nothing's happened. The 
Then this message will come to me from the Lord. Son of man, the people of Israel are saying, he's talking about the distant future. His visions won't come true for a long, long time. Therefore, tell them this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. No more delays. I will now do everything I have threatened. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. What we need to be doing for the prophetic to happen What we need to be doing for what God has said so that we can walk in what God has told us. Are we prepared to fight for what God has said? Are we prepared to fight as individuals for what God has said over your children and over your marriage? And are we prepared to fight for what God has said over the lighthouse? In John 6, verse 60 and 65, it says this. And the heading is this. Many disciples desert Jesus. And many of his disciples said this. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. Don't we all complain? When the circumstances that God brings into our lives that can bring hardship as well, and then we begin to complain. And so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life, but human effort accomplishes nothing. Human effort accomplishes nothing. That's why we need the prophetic over our lives for God to accomplish everything. And they were the very words I have spoken to you. They are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew those, that one that would betray him. And then he said this. This is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And I want to say to you this morning. eh? You are who God has called you to. Because he's called you. And because he's called you, he has a plan and a purpose for you to walk out. And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? You see, does the gospel offend you? Do we complain sometimes? We complain and we protest because what happens is the kingdom is going to make you uncomfortable. Because the kingdom's going to demand your time, it's going to demand your effort, it's going to demand your finances, and it's going to put pressure on you. You see, because God deals with us on this, on the basis of what he's called us to, and that is first and foremost to eternity. And hence, there could be a little bit of discomfort on the way. Because he wants us to walk in what he's called us to walk in. When we complain and we protest, our comforts, our time, our space, our finances, our children. When our circumstances change, how are we responding to them? These disciples that complained and walked away didn't have a problem with Jesus. They had a problem with what Jesus was calling them to. And I believe that's one of the biggest problems that we as Christians face today. We don't have a problem with Jesus. 
But we do have a problem with Jesus to what he's calling us to. And that's where the battle is. Can I submit? Can I yield myself to what God's calling me to? And I know I've battled with that for 40 years. But man, have I lived in the benefit when I've submitted and yielded. These disciples that complained had a problem with two. What has Jesus called them to? Have we ever thought about walking away from the Lord? For some of us, we have stopped believing in the call that God has placed on our lives. We haven't walked away from him, but we've walked away from his call. And I know I experienced that. There was no doubt that I believed by the time I was 30, I would be leading a church. And I know I went through a season from about 24 to my, 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 late, my, my late 30s where I, walked, I didn't walk away from the Lord, but I walked away from his call. And that's been a joy and a delight to have made those adjustments to adjust my life to what God's called me to. And living in the benefit of that. Yes, an, an incredible thing as I read this scripture. Before Jesus had this conversation with these disciples, these disciples that walked away from Jesus, this is what they experienced in the very presence of Jesus. In John 6, feeding the 5,000. Jesus walking on the water. These disciples go looking for Jesus and they find him. Are people looking for you? Are people looking for you? In the, circumstance, in the circumstances that we find ourselves, it can be in these times that we need to make sure that people can find us. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want me to be with you because I feed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. And then Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. You see, there's a dialogue between Jesus and the disciples. And he replied this and he said this to them 11 times. They said, and he said, what are you saying to Jesus? And what is Jesus saying to you? Can you hear his voice? As you read the word in the morning, is not God challenging you and saying, make these adjustments so that I can allow you to walk in the path that I've set for you? You see, when I look back and when you look back on your lives, you can see the very hand of God on your life. No human being knows human beings as God does. You see, Father, God knows you need vision and purpose and a call. And he also knows this, that you need faith and hope and strength and courage. Abraham, Moses and the disciples and you. That's what we need because that's what he's called us to. He's called us for this one reason, because he loves you.
He loves you. Trust him in that call. Trust him in that purpose. Trust him in the destiny that God has for you. You see, without having a purpose to your life as a Christian, I have no doubt that you're going to find your life very challenging and at times very difficult. God wants your life to count for something. And that something is his kingdom. The one thing that God wants to reveal to you this morning is this. That he loves you, he's stoked with you, and he is committed to you. You see, and that is revealed when we walk out our call with him. And it's in that walking, that faith, hope and courage is birthed. And that he's always worked out through the local church. The one thing that has amazed me about this church is this. Eh? When people come in and they spend a season with us, however long that might be, eh? they always leave differently. Amen. <laughs> and that's just exposing them to the word, eh? to worship, to the Holy Spirit. God does a work. It's one of my pet subjects, but let me bring it up anyway. I have to believe this, that when we spend adequate time in prayer and the word, that order, purpose, vision, and destiny take place. Because the Holy Spirit can deal with our selfish motives and bad attitudes. And what gets worked inside gets worked outside. And it's in that time, it's in that quiet time that God deals with it, with the attitude of our hearts. It also gives the Holy Spirit, as we give him time and space, to build <clears throat> hope, faith, and courage. In 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, I read this this week. And his word continues to work in you, those that believe. It's this that brings change. This is what brings change in your lives. Because God speaks through his word. And God, I know the way he speaks to me is he speaks to me through the word. And the word becomes prophetic. And then I can go to God and say, God, you said because this doesn't lie. Because God doesn't lie. People are attracted to and will give their lives to purpose and vision. Every revelation we get from God will be tested. Every person needs a battle to test his purpose and vision and his call. When we lose vision and we lose purpose, we begin to question. You see, David needed Goliath to reveal God's glory and plan. Moses needed Pharaoh to reveal God's glory and plan. Elijah needed the prophets of Baal to reveal God's glory and plan. Jesus needed Gethsemane and the cross to reveal 
God's glorious plan of salvation. What's your battle? 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. Then it says this, and and this is the amazing thing about the word. And, 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 And if there's one thing you take home this morning, it's this. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battle. For many of us, our lives are like being in a boxing ring. And for those first few rounds, we barely survive now I did this analogy I don't know 15 years ago I can't even remember but I did a whole analogy about boxing and uh, I think I think men and women that do boxing on nuts. <laughs> to climb in a ring and to beat someone up and to make sure that you don't get beaten up is just mad. <laughs> and it's got, it's, got, it's got even worse now. It's what's it? MMA. MMA. It's even worse. <laughs> it takes incredible courage. And stupidity, I think. <laughs> That's fine. To do that. But as I, you know, as I was thinking about this analogy, and, and as I've been thinking about it this last week, you know, it's amazing how God just adds extra things to it. But I went to boarding school. And uh, I've got to say this eh, very proudly. Eh? I went to Jeppy. And we beat Kez at rugby yesterday. And we beat them at hockey yesterday. <laughs> and uh, it was a good day to be a JP boy. <laughs> um, but I, I went to boarding school and, um, and, and I spent five years there. And the only way we could settle issues with the boys was we had a quad. And in the quad, the boys would all get together. And if there was a dispute between, between two boys... I mean, these are lightweight gloves, eh? but we gave them heavyweight gloves. And I don't know how heavy those heavyweight gloves are, but they're actually quite heavy. And, 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 and it is a very controlled way to deal with teenagers. And we put them in the quad, and they climbed into each other. And I can tell you, it didn't go on for more than a minute. <laughs> because by the end of that first minute, they were both exhausted. <laughs> And the worst damage that could actually happen, because the gloves were so heavy, eh, literally it was just like a stem. But it was a great way to, to, you know, to, to just deal with, with those issues. Eh? So that was my introduction to boxing, eh? and it didn't last very long, eh? because I was in the super, super, super lightweight division. Eh? <laughs> Your biggest fear about climbing back into the ring is this. Eh? Will I be able... To defend myself.
Will I last the round? Am I fit enough? You see, boxing is a sport that is ex- you have to be extremely fit and mentally strong. And it's just the same with our Christian walk. We can't wait for that bell to end and the round to come to an end because you punch drunk. Don't you feel like that sometimes in your Christian walk? You're just exhausted. You just want to sit. You see, here's the incredible thing. You have a team around you in boxing. You have the trainer, you have the cut man, and probably the cut man also is the, sell, the, the, the smelling salts man. They have these smelling salts that when you, when you punch drunk, they take these smelling salts and they stick it up your nose and they tell you, breathe. Well, I want to say to you this morning, eh? breathe in the Holy Spirit. Because that's where your energy will come from. You see, and Jesus is our cut man, eh? because Jesus has been bruised. He has been beaten. He has been cut. And Jesus knows how to patch you up. And then we have Father God, our trainer. And as that round comes to an end, you can't wait to sit down and just, and just have a rest. So that Father God can minister to you and tell you what to do. And what he tells you to do is you've got to get your hands up. You've got to get your hands up in worship. You've got, to, you've got to remember. You've got to remember what I've spoken over your life. You've got to remember what happened outside the ring so that outside the ring can prepare you for inside the ring. And then you look at Father God. And he tells you what to do. And you get off that chair and all of a sudden, you can take the enemy out. Because also what happens is, in boxing they put Vaseline on you. And I never knew why. And Goth, yeah, hi Goth, so glad you're here. You remember this preach. I actually used his heavyweight gloves. He's from a family of boxers. And and I said, Goth, why do they put the Vaseline on? eh?" He says, because the opposition can't grip them. And what happens is the Vaseline deflects the punches. Well, it's the Holy Spirit that anoints us. And it's the Holy Spirit that as we, as, as we spend time in his presence, eh, that Holy Spirit anointing comes on us. And Satan can't grab you and he can't punch you. But you know what happens? Sometimes when we're in the ring, we get distracted because there's a great multitude of witnesses watching this boxing match. And we get distracted and Satan comes through and he gives us that one clap on the chin. Because we get distracted. Or we get distracted out the world. There's a distraction that happens. And we fall on the canvas. And the referee begins to count. One, two, three. And Satan is prancing around there. Arrogantly, chest out. I took him out. I took her out. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. The referee carries on counting. Fourteen, fifteen. And Satan can't believe what's happening. 
And he rushes up to the referee and he says, how dare you break the rules? How dare you allow this to carry on that you're counting? And the referee counts a hundred, a hundred and one. A thousand and one. Seven million and one. Because my referee is full of grace and mercy. And the Holy Spirit says, get up. Get up. Because I'm full of grace and I'll strengthen you and I'll give you hope. And the Holy Spirit bends down and he picks you up. And he restores you. Because God is full of grace and mercy. And then the other thing that God does is, He never, ever throws the towel in. He holds on to this towel because He believes in you, He believes what He's called you to, because He's equipped you, He's equipped you outside the ring so that you can do what he's called you to do inside the ring and that is to bear light and love and make a difference and bear impact in people's lives father god holds the towel because he believes in you See, what takes place outside the ring is what prepares you for inside the ring. What takes place inside your heart will prepare you for the battles that you face. So who's in your corner? Jesus, Father God, and the Holy Spirit. You will learn more about your heavenly father and yourself in the setbacks and in the battles than you will learn in your successes. You will learn more about Father God's love in the ring than outside the ring. Anything worth having and anything worth living for is worth fighting for. Are you in the crowd or are you in the ring? We must never forget this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. Because there's a great cloud of witnesses that are actually physically in this church. And if you're going through battles, let them pray with you through those battles. The call of Father God is this. We need to get back into the ring. Because he never, ever We'll throw the towel in. You see, some of us will stand up and some of us don't. But we need to get up and stand. Because Jesus was battered and crucified. Jesus stood for you. And he fought the fight. And has won the fight for you and me. We need to be living in an uncompromising acceptance of God's will, purpose and plan for our lives. So for many of us have asked this question, why are we leaving the lighthouse? I've given this a lot of thought. But one of the reasons, and there are few, but one of the reasons is this. 
And for most of you know that I'm dealing with a, a medical condition, but it's this. I'm preparing myself for a fight that I don't know the outcome, but God does. And he has a plan, and I need to prepare myself and Lee for the plan that God has for us. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men can become the sons of God. I know I am a son and my father has a plan. And my word to the lighthouse is this. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In Paul's letters, at just about at the end of every single letter, Paul says this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. May the grace of God be with us. Hold it tight, Father. These are your people and you love them. Amen.